Well, uh, we are finishing up the Explain series um, tonight, and it's been, I think, really great because I know that so many of you have questions about the Bible or about Christianity or about your faith. And sometimes uh, the way it plays out, um, honestly, just I've been doing student ministry in some form, um, trying to point high school students and middle school students to Jesus since like 2001. Um, and there's a common there's a common kind of, of vibe in middle schoolers and high schoolers, and it is. <clears throat> so, what does all this actually mean to me? Why does this impact me? Um, and I remember when I was um, a middle schooler, church was something that I was forced to go to, and then even in high school, I was kind of interested in learning more, but way more interested in the social aspect, which, by the way, some of you are here for the social aspect, and we're so glad you're here, and that's, that's great. Um, but when I was in, like, my sophomore year and definitely my junior year, things got way more serious for me, and I've told this story a couple times. I'm not going to tell the whole story, but that I had kind of um, this impact with life, right? Life smacked me in the face, and then I was like, what am I going to do with this, this kind of portion of my life? To be honest with you, it was this season of my life. I, every time I tell this story, I'm actually like a little embarrassed every time because how I came to faith in Jesus was through a bully. And so it was like a lack of power in my own life. It was a lack of authority. It was a lack of being cool enough or popular enough, and I had a run-in with a bully in uh, high school. And it wasn't just like a bully. It was like the star of the football team. And he had muscles on his muscles, right? Um, and so I've told that story. If you haven't heard it, I'm sure I'll tell it all the way through sometime this year. But I had this personal moment with God where I was like, okay, God, I'm asking you to help me. And I don't know if you've ever been in that. And maybe it's not a bully for you. Maybe it's grades or maybe it's at home, honestly, everything's not okay right now. Um, maybe there's like a little bit of conflict drama in your friend group or, or whatever. Um, maybe there's health challenges that are like making you look up at the sky and say, God, what are you doing with all of this? And I want to let you know that the reason that I care so much about this moment right here and the fact that y'all are able to build friendships with each other is because I found... Before I ever found um, really the gospel to be meaningful in my life, I found in my youth group that they cared about me. That was mind-blowing to me. Like, why? Like, why do I matter to you? And it was because they had learned this simple idea that we're all made in God's image and that we're all people that God loves. It's just some of us haven't quite recognized that and lived that out yet. And that's, again, that's okay. But I had people in my youth group that were like, hey, we want you to be cared for and invited, and we want you to be a part of what we're doing. Do you want to go? Like, this was the thing, man. We would go to, um, like, Wendy's or McDonald's or the movies or something after youth group or something like that, especially in the summer when there wasn't school the next day. And uh, that was how I built my community in the youth group. But then after I built the community, I started to see these people care about me. These people are taking the Bible seriously. And then I started asking questions about the Bible. Now, 
Was I an expert? Absolutely not. I wasn't an expert in college. I went to school to study the Bible. Like my, my degree is biblical studies. Was I an expert when I graduated? No. I'm still learning today. I'm having conversations literally this week with people on staff. I'm like, hey, what do you believe about this? What do you believe about that? Oh, that's interesting. Here's my perspective. What's your perspective? And I want you to know that this is a place where you can, like, in a very safe way, explore what you believe about the Bible. But what I would say is that I don't want you to be too casual about it. Because if what the Bible says is true, then we can't afford to guess. We can't afford to get it wrong. If the Bible is telling us a story about a creator creating everything in six days, resting on the seventh, and then like setting us loose to either find our identity in him or to try to rebel. And eventually, Adam and Eve, right, they rebel. And then it sets humanity on this course of trying to figure out what life looks like with or without God. There's highlights and lowlights all through the Bible. But then this Jesus character shows up, which we talk about every single week after we talk about the dolphins and the butt kick and all that kind of stuff, right? We get to the Jesus stuff. But we talk about Jesus showing up, and Jesus says, I'm the Son of God. The kingdom is at hand. Repent, and all those things. And then you got to kind of wrestle with that. Right? He claims to be the Son of God, dies, rises again, ascends into heaven, sends the Holy Spirit. And then even after that, people are like, mm, I don't know. I don't know if I believe you. I know you just did that neat little trick, uh, ascending into heaven, um, but I don't know that I believe you. And listen, this world, by and large, doesn't believe in the message of Jesus. The fastest growing belief system, it has been for like the last 10 years or so, is if you were filling out a, a card or like a census or a survey, and you're like, what do you believe? Are you a Christian? Are you a Muslim? Are you a Buddhist? Are you a, or like none. And most people for the last 10 years or so, click, or they click or they check, none. And that's what the majority of people Believe, And the truth is that most teenagers who are involved, I want you to hear me because what I'm about to say matters, okay? Most teenagers who are involved in the youth group end up kind of casually walking away. And my, my, my guess is, my, my hypothesis is that we didn't, in moments like this, really examine what's true about the Bible and where it came from. Because there's other things that distract us. And so then in the college years, young adult years, there's this walking away thing that happens, which is happening and has been happening for a very long time. And here's what I want to do. In September of 2022, I want to get ahead of all that. And I want to just ask you some questions like, what do you believe about the Bible? Is it a real like book that came from God? So the, the first three weeks, let me just kind of recap what we've been talking about, and I really think tonight's going to be powerful. Week one, I talked about how the Bible's important because it shows us who God is. It just shows us who God is, and, and we talked in the book of Colossians how Jesus, when you see Jesus, you see God. He's the image of the invisible God. When Jesus speaks, God speaks, okay? When I speak, 
God speaks if I'm quoting scripture, right? But I'm not God. Hear me clearly. And you're like, oh no, we know. <laughs> We're very aware. But we only are speaking on God's behalf really, really, really when we're like really quoting these verses and stuff like that. But when Jesus, who is God, speaks, man, you are hearing God speak. In the second week, we talked about how we have to read kind of the bigger story. We can't just pick one verse out and say, oh, I think it means this. Does anybody remember the verse that we talked about that night? I said it's on like every football locker room. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13, right? And uh, we kind of made fun of it a little bit, how sometimes we pluck that verse out of context. Does anybody remember what Philippians 4 or the whole book of Philippians is about? Okay. But that's not what the book of Philippians is about. What did we talk about that night? What is Philippians 4 getting at? What does Paul say? What, why would he say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? What was he saying a couple verses before? Yes, he said, don't be anxious, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And then he's going to say this, not, not that I'm speaking of being in need, because I know what it's like to have everything I need and more, and I know what it's like to be in desperate need. I know what it's like to be living lavishly and being homeless. I know what it's like to being like super, super way too full and like desperately hungry where you could like just eat anything in sight. And then what does he say? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, what he's saying is, this is all about contentment and joy in Christ in whatever circumstance we find ourselves in. Not, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So after fuse, I'm going to go out in the lawn and I'm going to sprout some like wings. And I'm going to fly away because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That would be the biggest disappointment, maybe the biggest comedy hour for you for watching me fail epically at that. But that's not what that's saying. And so context really, really matters. I don't want you to read one verse and be like, oh, I think that's what that means. you got to kind of read the whole, the whole picture there, the whole story. And then last week, Eli was talking about this word inspired. In fact, there's, uh, I just want to show you again uh, what this word inspired means. We said that the Bible is inspired. It means God breathed. What that means is, track with me, there's going to be moments, by the way, where we, I'm going to... Um, I think I'm going to do this from now in Fuse. There's going to be moments where I'm teaching, and sometimes I'm telling stories, sometimes I'm teaching the Bible, but there's going to be moments where I, I want to kind of pop out of kind of the talk, and I want to say, this is a big thing that we believe, and I'm going to show you why we believe it. And here's, here's what I'm going to show you. We believe that all the different authors, I think there's 40 or so authors across the whole Bible, that when they were writing, check this out, that they were writing the very words that God wanted them to write. Perfectly. Perfectly. Not like, oh, I really feel like God wants me to write this sermon for Fuse. And I think sometimes I do well, sometimes I don't do well, whatever. But I'm not saying, like, maybe they got it wrong. I've heard people say, well, I think Paul, he grew up in this scenario here, so he's probably thinking this, and his cultural and this is like, no. When we say the Bible is inspired, that is God-breathed, those words were penned actually by the Holy Spirit 
through Paul, through Peter, through Matthew, through Mark, through those different authors, through Moses, through Isaiah, through Jeremiah. All these different authors. That's something that we believe. I think it's important for you to know that. Now, I am never, hear me, I'm never going to stand up here and be like, okay, I'm t- you got to believe this. You got to believe this. I want you to believe it because you believe it, not because I or someone else said you have to believe it. But when we read scripture, like we read last week in 2 Timothy 3.16, it's not going to be on the screen, uh, but that all scripture is good for teaching and rebuke and reproof. And that the, the Bible talks about how it's living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. The way I take that to mean in context is that when we read the Bible, the Holy Spirit is going to kind of churn that message in your soul for how he needs you to receive it in that moment. Because sometimes you read a verse over here, and, um, and then two years later you read that same verse, and it like pops out at you in different ways. Not that it means different things. Because what did we say about the meaning? I think we said in week two, if it means something, it means something. And it can't mean something that they didn't intend. So, for example, if I send you a text, I used this illustration the other day. If I send you a text and I say, I'm going to meet you at Whataburger tomorrow at 6 o'clock. And you're like, I wanted to go today. Why does he want to go with me today? I just don't understand. And sometimes texts get really, like, misread and, like, I don't like his tone and blah, 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 blah. It can't mean for you something that it didn't mean for the author or who, who really inspired all of Scripture. God. God breathed, right? It can't mean something different. Now, here's something else we believe. This is something that we believe that not everyone believes, okay? I'm going to rock your world right now. Okay, are you ready for this? Because I need you to sit up straight. This is like big boy, big girl talk right now, okay? The next word I want to share with you, it's actually two words, infallible and inerrant. This is something that our church believes about the Bible to be true. Um, infallible and inerrant essentially mean without error, and it is incapable of being in error. If I can just tell you, when I say big boy and big girl stuff, how many of you have friends that don't believe what the Bible has to say? There are probably a majority of those people that you're thinking of right now that they would say like, oh, for sure it has error. For sure. It was written 2,000 years ago. Like, it has error. We've grown so much since then. But what do we believe? Do we believe God changes? Hey, I'm like dead serious right now. I really want you to pay attention. Do we believe God changes? That's not just a gimme. Like, do we believe God changes? Why? Huh? He's eternal. Is there a verse that speaks to this? I think one of the things that Fuse needs to like almost morph into is like a, all right, here's an idea. Find a verse or someone tell me a verse about why you believe what you believe. I really, really, I want you to know why you believe what you believe. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his word has no error. We believe that. My friends who believe something different about the Bible than I do in like big ways, they almost all have said, well, the Bible has a couple errors here and there. And I'm like, 
Okay, so let's just walk that thing out. Who's the judge of deciding where the errors are? You? Right? That just got into a fender bender in the Whataburger parking lot? Like, what? You? Well, I have supreme knowledge of where the errors are in Scripture. That's awfully arrogant. So here's what our church believes. We believe that the Bible, the Word of God, is inspired, it's infallible, and it's inerrant. That's one of those moments I really want to sit in your lap and I want you to wrestle with. I'm not telling you to believe what to believe. I'm inviting you to have kind of a dialogue about it. If you have questions about it, I say let's talk about it. Not right now, but maybe after, maybe on Sunday. Let's talk about it. So we believe those things about the Bible, okay? Um, If you want to have a much longer conversation that I want to have at some point soon, we can talk about all the different religions' texts and what they believe about those and what makes them different from us too. Have you ever found yourself wondering, what do they believe that we don't believe? How are these churches in Siena different? How are these different denominations? Has anyone ever had that question? And like, I don't really know. And the internet's a thing. I guess I could look. Well, I would love to be able to help you. We don't have a ton of time to go through like every religious text from other different belief systems tonight. But I want to offer that if you ever have questions. I took notes on it to prepare, but we just don't have time to talk about it, okay? But here's what we do believe. We believe that the Bible's inspired, it's infallible, and it's inerrant. We believe that it's good for teaching, for reproof, for for rebuke. That word rebuke is sometimes you need to be corrected. Like you're going this direction, you need to be going this direction. That's correction or rebuke, right? Sometimes we need to be disciplined. What does the Bible say about God disciplining us? It's a good thing, and we should be thankful when he disciplines us. But we're not. No one likes to be disciplined. No one, right? No one likes to be disciplined. No one is, like, in trouble after being late for curfew, and then you walk in, and mom or dad are sitting there or whatever, and they're like, we're going to talk, and you're like, I'm so thankful. I've been waiting all day for this. I'm here for my correction. (laughs) Like, no one, no one does that. But we have a God who loves us and gives us that opportunity for correction. Here's the one verse that I want to share with you that I think is the most important way to cap off the series. And it's simple, and I think you've heard it before. Psalm 119, verse 105. And it's just this. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now, let's combine, let's put our thinking caps on, big girl, big boy stuff, and think about how the things that we just said about if the Bible is inerrant, infallible, and inspired, if it's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, what does that mean to me? Here's what it means. It means that it brings things to light. And here's what's fun about it. If you will, if you will trust the scriptures to give you guidance, I believe with my entire whole heart that God will fulfill the promise that he gave, that he's the author and perfecter of our faith. He's walking us through. He's sanctifying us. He's making us into the image of his son. And he wants scripture to guide us. Now, if your Bible looks like this, right, and it's just going to sit like this on the, on the cupboard or in the 
the desk or the and it's like, you know, and you got to do that to read it. Then it's not like, you know, some, sometimes people are like, if I just sleep on it, then just by osmosis, it'll just soak into my, nope, I wish, I wish, I love to sleep. It's not how it works. You got to open it up and you got to read it. My question is, is will you open it up? Now, here's what I think is very interesting about this verse. This is the last thing I'll say. It says it's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, or a lamp to our path and a light to our feet. Um, I don't know how possible this is, and I didn't even ask production to do this. How dark can it get in here? Is anyone going to freak out right now? Whoa. Okay, now check it out, check it out, check it out, okay? So I have my, my um, flashlight. Now imagine, imagine with me for just a moment that you're in the woods, right? Um, you can bring the lights back up. So I'm afraid people are going to wig out. Thank you. Oh, it's the ugly lights. Um, there it is. So how many, how many of you ever been camping or, or hiking and it's kind of getting dark? And um, anyone ever been, like, it's getting dark and you don't have a flashlight? Yeah. That right there. Every single time. How are you alive, EJ? How are you alive? Because God loves you and has a plan for your life. Okay, so check it out. There's a moment where you turn that flashlight on and you're just like, oh, okay, good. But the thing is, just like the Bible, a flashlight is a lamp to your feet. And it's not necessarily going to light up the whole path. I had a friend the other day um, who uh, I, was, I was FaceTiming with. He was walking around his very dark uh, neighborhood. And he, he had uh, FaceTime. Is a, like iPhones are amazing. They have this technology now where like they have this um, when it's really dark, your phone will like find sources of light. And it'll start to sh like you'll start to see things. My friend, no joke. No, not see things. I'm just saying like that you previously couldn't see because it's like seeking light and it's like it starts to brighten. Your, your screen kind of changes to see. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, yeah. So, yeah, you're like, I know. You're like, oh, you said see things. So, um, so he sees, check this out, and I hope he's, he's not listening, but I'm going to show it in this clip. His, when his screen changes, his shadow like is now visible, and he goes, Ah! <laughs> And he's like, okay, okay. I did just scream because I saw my shadow. But it was because I previously could not see it, but I could see it on my screen when the screen changed. And I'm like, yeah, you keep digging that hole, buddy. That was hilarious, and I'm never going to let you live that down in your life. But here's what's, here's what's funny. He was sitting there talking. My man lives in kind of a part of Texas that is, like, not the suburbs and so sometimes, like, he'll be, like, we'll be on a, a call or something like that, and I'll just hear kind of some of the noises that you don't want to hear. You know what I'm saying? They're animals, and they're not dogs, and they're not cats. Um, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, okay? Um, some, that might happen to you in Siena. Who knows? You know what I mean? So anyway, so check this out. The Bible, much like a flashlight, is a light to your path. And here's... I need you to listen to what I'm saying. Guys, a lot of people give the Bible grief and give Christianity grief because they have questions that have never been answered. And I've got questions that have never been answered that might not be answered until I meet Jesus. But the truth is, 
There's a lot going on out there. I don't know that my brain could handle all the answers to the questions that I have. And I'm trusting God in all the ways that he has given me very solid answers. I started this series off saying, the Bible has not given answers to all of your deep questions, but it has answered the most important questions, or the most practical questions. Why are we here? What is our purpose? Right? What are we supposed to do with our lives here? What is, how are we supposed to relate to God? How are we supposed to relate to each other? Answers to all those questions. And what have we done with those? So you want to gripe about like, well, I have questions the Bible doesn't answer. But sometimes the Bible gives us answers like, well, I don't like those answers, so I don't like that either. And it's like, sounds like you just like to be mad <laughs> and argumentative. So the Bible's a lamp to our feet. And I want to ask you, like, what are you going to do with the knowledge, not just that the Bible is a lamp to your feet, but when you have questions, like, what are you going to do with that knowledge? Because you're going to be in a moment just like I was in, whereas I literally, in my, in my moment with this bully in high school, going back to that, in my bedroom by myself, no one around, I had this, like, moment with God. I was like, hey, God, if you're real, I need help. If you're real, I need help. And I engaged the creator of the universe in a moment of desperate prayer for the first time in my life, like in a real way. And I got to tell you, he answered my prayer. And he's answered multiple prayers. Now, is it always yes? It is always what I want? No, it's not. God doesn't give us everything that we want, right? Or even perceive that we need. But in that moment, I reached out, and I believe with my very heart, God answered me. And that's why I'm here, right? That's why I'm here in front of you, like, pleading with you to value the Bible. Because here's what we believe, that if this is God's word, and if the Bible shows who God is, and that if God is telling us, like, what to do with our lives, then we can't afford to guess about it and get it wrong. Can't afford. And I will tell you, this is a safe place for you to ask hard questions about what this Bible says, about what you think it means, about what other people think it means, about what it means for your life, about what it means for your beliefs that don't line up with the Bible. If I can just say it like this, can I just give you a real practical example and I'll let you go? The other day, I was uh, on social media and on social media pops up a post uh, from our neighborhood page. And there's some adults in here that have probably seen this post. And on our neighborhood page, there's a couple of them because we can't agree about anything. Um, there's a question. You're just big boy, big girl. Can we handle this? Okay. There's a question about are there any churches in this neighborhood that will absolutely welcome homosexuals to come worship, to get married, and to become pastors. And as you might imagine, there were comments. And some of the comments were happy, and some of the comments were less than happy, and there was disagreement and all that. And I just sat there with my keyboard, and I'm like, this could be fun. Um, it probably won't be. See, I've learned not to jump into most of those social media comments, conversations. 
Um, someone actually referenced uh, Pastor Greg's sermon from the last couple weeks. We have been talking about homosexuality. If you know me, by the way, you know I don't harp on this one issue. There's plenty of issues to talk about. But I'm just saying, yesterday, this was an issue that popped up in my life. Someone says, hey, Pastor Greg just preached about homosexuality. I think you should go listen. Can I just tell you what the most of the comments said? In fact, there's this one commenter that said this that, that kind of bothered me. If the church was doing its job, they would welcome everybody. Now, you can let that land however you want it to land. I think we have a, like, a definition problem of what welcome means. But we also, let me just tell you, like, if you want to go listen to what Pastor Greg said, a lot of you probably understand we have a conservative view of sexuality and our identity in Christ. Pastor Greg is going to say, like, yeah, like we believe that God created us in a, to, to, to walk out this path of one man, one woman for life and marriage. If you're new here and that's like abrupt, I'm sorry, but most of you are not new here. Um, but we have this like conservative view on the Bible. And here's what I, I just was reminded of in this neighborhood group is that most people said, well, if the churches did what the Bible says, and I'm like, what does the Bible say? Please share with me. And listen, most people don't know, but they think they know because they've got this idea that Jesus is this cosmic shepherd with blonde hair and blue eyes, and like he's like, hey, how's it go? Not Jesus. Not Jesus. And so here's the thing. I'm just asking you, will you have an intelligent decision to like dive in the word and make the decision for yourself? That's my plea. Because I think that most people have the wrong idea about Jesus, and when they read this, they're like, oh, okay. And that's what happened to me. That's what happened to a lot of these leaders. I think it could happen to you too. I'm going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that is objectively true, and it means something that you want it to mean in our life. We don't just get to pick and choose. Lord, I do pray that we would take it seriously. Some of these people in this room are going to have to kind of bump their head before they realize it's important. And I pray that you just give us grace as we muddle through that process of discovering what we believe about the Bible. But I pray that they wouldn't be too casual about it because tomorrow is not promised. So Lord, give us grace as we walk this path. Thank you for every single student and leader in this room. And it's your name I pray. Amen.